This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10 off T E N O F F for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Everything Went Black. It's another episode of Heavy Metal Massacre with Jay Bennett, and this week we're going to be talking about the new wave of British heavy metal. How's it going, Jay? It's, it's going good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm, uh, you know, gearing up. Got some road work ahead. Um, you know, things are things are looking up in the music world, and uh, you know, when this uh, episode airs, I will have completed uh, the first uh, bunch of dates that we're playing on the road with a uh, cloak. Uh, the first bunch of dates of uh, this short tour that we have coming up with a. Uh, cloak and restless spirit just a quick run down the east coast and of course later uh this spring we're going to be hitting the road with origin and abysmal dawn for uh a fairly extensive jaunt across the u.s so yeah that's uh that's all all good news yeah man i have the um i have the uh your origin date uh marked on my calendar i wish the cloak tour was coming here i like that band quite a bit and um uh, Black Mare did a couple of shows with them a couple of years ago. We played on a crazy bill in San Diego. It was us, uh, Cloak, uh, Spirit Adrift, and Church of Misery. Right on. Oh, Church of Misery is that Japanese doom band, right? Yeah, yeah. And then so that was like, I can't remember. It was either a couple of days before or a couple of days after Psycho. Vegas, and then we played Psycho Vegas right before Cloak on that on the um, like the club stage, I guess. Uh, it was, that was like the last year that Psycho Vegas was at the Hard Rock, I, I believe. Is that right, or was it the second last? I can't remember. I, I can't remember. But anyway, we so we played we played two twice with them, like in a couple of days, basically, and they and they were cool uh, and they're nice guys, and I, I like the band. Um, so I'm I'm psyched. I wish I wish um. I wish that one was coming here, but it's not. Yeah, this was put together in the middle of the Omicron wave of COVID. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a lot of like reluctance to even book sh- sure. book shows. But, uh, you know, we got these dates together. Um, I, I'm, I like their music. I'm a fan of Cloaks. And uh, I met one of the guys briefly when they came through Brooklyn on tour with uh, 1349 a few years ago. And he seemed like a really nice guy. So, uh so yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's gonna be good, you know. Yeah, yeah. I cut that reminds me. I caught them on that. I caught them here in L.A. on that 1349 tour, as well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so so this week we're gonna be uh, talking about the new wave of British heavy metal, which is uh, that term gets thrown around quite a bit uh, when trying to describe other bands. Yeah. And um, you know, I have some ideas about my definition of it, and um, you know, for the actual new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah. And, um, and, but, you know, honestly, I feel like you're way more well-versed in this particular movement than, than I am. I mean, I like a lot of the bands, but just the, uh, the machinations that underlie the mechanism behind new wave of British heavy metal. I feel like you have probably 
uh, a deeper understanding of those things than I do. Well, I will say, you know, there are a lot of waves out there in metal. Yeah. Uh, and this is my favorite one. This is my favorite wave, you know, new wave. A lot. They're all new waves, too. You got to have a new. No one wants to hear the old wave. It's, <laughs> you got, you, it's a new wave every time. There's a new wave of American heavy metal that came later and a new wave of Swedish heavy metal, I think, is a thing. Um, but this is my favorite one. Um <clears throat> Yeah. And I guess, I don't know, do you, do, you want, do you want me to sort of give you my, like, understanding of it? Sure. I, I think, so the way I, I kind of think of it is, okay, so you have, like, the original, the original, okay, now here's the old wave. Yeah, the well, original, let's tell us about the old wave first. So we okay, have some so context old, here, you know. The old wave, I mean, you could also say that's the original wave of heavy metal. You have, like, you know, these bands that started in the late 60s, early 70s, you're... Black Sabbath is the obvious one. Um, you know, for whatever reason, you had these bands like Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple that were sort of lumped into they, they, people. They referred to as heavy metal, even though, I mean, they're kind of, like now we understand those bands as like hard rock bands, I guess. Um, uh, and then you have bands like there's ones that are kind of in the that like they're not as old as Sabbath and Zeppelin and they're, they're not as new as some of the bands we're going to talk about today. But you have like Judas Priest and Motorhead are the two big ones that stand out because I think, you know, Judas Priest, I think their first record is 74 and they might have started a few years before that. Um, and uh, and then Motorhead, which sometimes is actually associated with New York British Heavy Metal. Um, they I, I kind of understand them as preceding it as well um and and they certainly did precede a lot of the bands we're going to talk about today um but like sort of so sort of the big the bands that have come to define i guess the new wave of British metal are the big ones are you, you know you iron maiden uh death leopard uh and to to a lesser degree in terms of you know worldwide dominance uh saxon is another like big one that came out of there even though obviously saxon is not nearly as big um, as a Def Leppard or an Iron Maiden. Um, but I would say um, one of the most important bands to come out of the new wave of British heavy metal is uh, Diamond Head, which is a band that I know you're familiar with and a lot of listeners will be familiar with. Um, they, uh, I believe their first single came out in 1980 and their first album, Lightning to the Nations, came out in 1980. Um, now, what's remarkable about that album, other than it's fucking awesome on its own, it has seven songs. Four of those songs were later covered by Metallica, um, which I think says a lot about, <laughs> about like their sort of influence on what we, um, you know, what's understood as heavy metal today, given that Metallica has been and continues to be sort of the, the biggest band in metal um, and have been that way for, you know, decades now at this point. Um, but yeah, um, Diamond Head. And I know, and I, you know, um, a lot of people, and I, and I think you have an experience with this too, a lot of people found out about Diamond Head from Metallica. Oh yeah, they, 100%. Yeah. 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 Um, the, uh, the sort of the Garage Days revisited um, EP that, that they, they did. So, so you know, uh, 
they have master puppets comes out they, they're going on they go on tour they have the horrible uh tragic bus accident in europe uh that kills cliff burton uh jason newstead becomes the bass player everyone knows the story the first thing they do before they do a new album is they do this covers ep this garage days revisited EP. Now, this EP is uh, much like Light Into the Nation, it's the Diamond album. This EP in itself is remarkable. Um, the, it, it, I so from from this EP they they cover they cover Diamond Head, they cover uh, Budgie, a Welsh band uh, uh, called Budgie. Um, they cover Killing Joke, I believe. Yeah. And yep. uh, the, the Misfits, and someone else is on there that I'm forgetting. Um, Holocaust. Holocaust, right. Yeah. So I found out about all of those bands from that tape. Oh, yeah, me too, man. As a matter of fact, my whole awareness of this the term New Wave or British Heavy Metal can be traced back to an interview I heard on the radio with um, with Lars Ulrich. You know, and this is like back. Like, I, I'd already discovered Iron Maiden. Um, you know, I'd heard of Motorhead. I had no idea what any of these bands, like what movement or, you know, any of these terminologies or anything. And then... Lars Ulrich was on like a, on a pre-recorded um, interview that played on uh, Westcon uh, WXCI, like on the metal shop, like a Friday night, like eleven o'clock, you know, show. Yeah. And they played this interview with Lars Ulrich, and and in that same night, I found out about New Wave of British Heavy Metal and Black Metal because he talked about Venom, right? Yeah. And years later, uh, I pick up the the Garage Days revisited record. And uh, I'm like, oh, these songs are sick, man. This is like some sick Metallica songs. And yeah. <laughs> I didn't even, except for the Misfits stuff, which I was, I'm like, oh, they're covering, doing some Misfits covers, you know? And then I, I you know, it, to my embarrassment, I learned that every song was a tribute to bands that they respected and probably felt influenced by. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, I just finished reading uh, Brian Tatler's book, uh, and he was the guitar player of Diamond Head. And he talks about way before Metallica existed, Lars Ulrich was a teenager here in uh, Downey, California. Uh, and uh, he was a big fan of all these new wave of British heavy metal bands. This is what he was listening to. And he came over to um, England. Uh, and I forget what part of England Diamond Head are from, but he, he went there. And he stayed in Brian Tatler's like living room at his mom's house. <laughs> Brian Tatler's like living with his mom. You know, he's still he's still like he's only a few years older than than Lars. Uh, living with his mom, uh, Lars Ulrich is like stays at the guy's house for like weeks and goes to and like travels with them to all these um, these Diamond Head playing gigs around England. You know, and he's kind of like hanging on like kind of a hanger. It becomes like a hanger on of like. <laughs> But he's a super fan, you know what I mean? And and they they think he's just kind of like you know they're like oh, okay you know he's just kind of like motor mouth like Danish kid. Um, he's a heavy metal fan. They didn't you know think anything of it. Like oh we have a super fan, cool you know. And it's not it's not like Diamond Head had tons of fans at this point you know. So he goes back. <laughs> Lars goes back to America and he stays in touch with Brian Tatler, and he starts sending letters about like how he's gonna you know he's going to start his own band. Uh, and, um, so, he, so Brian Tatler becomes sort of like this sort of very distant sort of observer of, of the formation of Metallica in the form of these letters 
that that he's exchanging with Lars, uh, you know, across the Atlantic Ocean, um, uh, which is just, I mean, it's crazy. And, and so, you know, and he, Brian Chatler kind of says it repeatedly in this book. It's like, you know, we just thought he was like this motor mouth kid. Like we had no idea like what he would do or what he would become, become, you know what I mean? He was just like a, a super fan, you know? Um, which is crazy to think about. So, I mean, I guess next time, you know, anyone listening, if you're a band out there and, and you encounter what, you know, we fondly refer to as punishers, those people, those fans that seem a little too into it, um, you never know. The, 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 <laughs> one of those kids could be the next Lars Ulrich. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that kind of goes back to like my impressions of the new wave of British heavy metal bands. I mean, you know, if you think about we'll call it like the original wave of heavy metal, like Sabbath and, you know, Zeppelin, massive arena rock bands, okay? And in in, a, in my perception of new wave of British heavy metal, these bands were like, um, you know, more uh, street level. Uh, they weren't, um, I'm not going to use the term punk because I know heavy metal heads back then and punks were, were completely on opposite sides of the spectrum. Um, but playing in small clubs, uh, a lot of these bands were kind of like maybe even at the same level that bands like you and I play in, you know, where, where it's like, yeah, I got a couple fans, you could play a couple of these cities, you know, play in these like pubs and whatever. And it was, uh, more of like a no frills operation. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That I, I think that, I think that is hundred percent true of most of the bands that we're, I mean, and certainly they all started that way. Even the biggest ones, even the Iron Maidens and the Def Leppards, they all started playing in in, in little shitty pubs uh, in the UK, you know. Um, but a lot of these bands never quite made it past that stage. But as we'll discuss later, a lot of these bands produced, uh, a lot of musicians came out of these bands uh, that went on to do much bigger things. Right, exactly, uh, you know. You know and, yeah. and actually, speaking of, I mean, Maiden became probably, arguably, one of the biggest heavy metal bands on the planet. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. And, uh, but they toiled away in the pubs for like 12 years before they were like, you know, for anything hit, hit for them. All these different singers, even before Paul Deanna. Yeah, it was, it was, quite, it was quite some time, yeah. Yeah, it's true. A lot of these bands uh, struggled. I think uh, I don't know how long Def Leppard was at it. Um, uh, I, I could go back and look it up, but I, I think Def Leppard kind of hit, came, you know, maybe had success a little quicker um, than than uh, than Maiden did. Um, but you know, and then a lot of these bands, you know, they, be, they became so um, incestuous. You know what I mean? Um, you have, you know, of course, everyone knows the story. We, we talked about this in one of our previous uh, Metal Maskers when we were talking about our mutual appreciation of Paul Diano, um, who, of course, was, a, you know, the, the singer on the first two Iron Maiden records uh, and the Maiden Japan EP. Um, he was replaced by Bruce Dickinson. Everyone knows that story. But Bruce Dickinson came from another new wave of British heavy metal band called Samson. Uh, and then... There was a really obscure new wave of British heavy metal band called White Spirit. Uh, and um, uh, Yannick Gares, uh, who is now in Maiden. Now, they have three guitar players now. And yeah. Yannick Gares, he came from this new wave of British heavy metal band, uh, White Spirit. Um, uh, uh, there was another band, uh, Sweet Savage, which I believe was also, they had a song called Killing Time, 
that Metallica also covered. Um, the guitar player of Sweet Savage was a guy named Vivian Campbell, who went on to play with Dio and Whitesnake, and now he's in Def Leppard. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, so there's so many guys. Like, so uh, another way. And this is one of Lars's favorite bands uh, from this, uh, you know, group of bands. Was a band called Tigers of Pantang, um, and they had this hotshot guitar player named John Sykes, who went on to join Thin Lizzy, and played on like what uh, what a lot of people like Thunder and Lightning, which was the last proper. Thin Lizzy record, and it's also like the heaviest Thin Lizzy record by a lot. It's like what Thin Lizzy fans refer to as the Thin Lizzy's metal record. Um, John Sykes is on that record, and then he went on to join Whitesnake and played on that huge self-titled Whitesnake album in 1987 um, with, you know, Here I Go Again, Still of the Night, when they were all over MTV. That was John Sykes on that record. The crazy thing about that record, that was like the redefining of White Snake in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, because they had existed. Right. It was all literally it was ex-members of Deep Purple that formed White Snake. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And and and, and what's crazy is a lot of those songs on that record, that 87 self-titled record, were old, older White Snake songs that were kind of revamped that they re-recorded and, and kind of updated and had like metalized. Because early White Snake is more of like a bluesier type band hard, more hard rock bluesy closer to deep purple yeah um uh and i, I can't remember if i already told this story on here but it's, it's my favorite one um here i go again originally came out white snake put it on a record in uh like maybe, i don't know like 1980 or 81 something like that like years prior to that the, the, the years prior to the version that everyone knows and there's a video for that also that you can see on, on YouTube, that version, that original version. And um, the line in the song is, uh, um, the, well, the line in the, in, the, in the version everyone knows is, like, like a drifter, I was born to walk alone. Uh, the original line was, like a hobo, I was born to walk alone. And he, David Coverdale changed it because he thought, <laughs> because that hobo <laughs> sounded too much like homo. <laughs> Drifter, yeah. Drifter is a better that you know. All, it is bets, all jokes aside, it just sound, it's it's cooler to say it like a drifter. I walk alone, you know. It's just cooler, you know. It's way better. It's way better. Yeah. Um, and then uh, <laughs> so you have all these other so and then and then there were other um, you know other new wave of British heavy metal bands like Holocaust you mentioned earlier and um, Blitzkrieg. These bands were also covered by Metallica. Um, there was like a version of Kill 'Em All had a, uh, their Blitzkrieg. Blitzkrieg had a song called Blitzkrieg uh, that Metallica covered. And I think uh, it was on Kill 'Em All. Like there was, a, um, there was versions of Kill 'Em All that had two uh, covers on, tacked on to the end. Um, and Blitzkrieg was one of them. Uh, and I'm kind of blanking on the other one, but was it the Holocaust song? Um, I can't remember. Um, and of course, there was Girl School, which was the all-female rock band that were part of the new wave of British heavy metal. Um, and they became a favorite of Lemmy's. And of course, there, there was a, a, they did a couple of collaborations together, uh, Motorhead and Girl School, like covering each other's songs and doing like Seven Inches and other um, singles and stuff like that. Like there was a, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre single, I remember. It's like a, I have that somewhere. Um, and I believe 
if I remember it, it's like Motorhead on one side covering a girl's school song and girl's school on the other side covering a Motorhead song. Um, but they did other stuff where they come, where they joined forces and were all playing together on different stuff too. See, this um, is the kind of thing I liked. I like about the new wave of British heavy metal is like, it, it is almost like, um, like a DIY kind of vibe. Like there's a couple of labels that put out, um, you know, a lot of these bands, early records, you know, and some of these bands, their entire career was on independent labels. Like, you know, they never really had major yeah. label success or ever really left the UK, probably maybe with a couple of forays to Germany or something like that, but never toward the States, certainly, you know. Yeah. Neat, neat records out of uh, which was based, I believe, in Newcastle uh, was like a big driving force of this stuff. They put out a lot of the early albums and singles um of these bands not all of them but uh, but plenty uh and they had a guy who was like working in knee records was a label but they uh, it was also um i believe originally a recording studio that kind of became a label they branched out into putting out records and they had a guy who was there working as like a gopher sort of like studio assistant conrad lant was his name uh and uh Conrad Lant talked the owner of Neat into um, putting out a single of his own his own band, Conrad's band, which of course became Venom, um, and we now know Conrad Lant as Kronos. And Venom is, uh, I mean, they're one of my favorites, um, and they're, they're you know they came up at the same time. They're very much associated with the new wave of British heavy metal, but they, I should, I think it. What's interesting about them is they sounded a lot of these other bands. They they had a lot of things in common. Um, it was a lot of this stuff was very melodic. A lot of these bands had had two guitar players and were kind of you know uh, uh, um, taking advantage of that situation. Um, you know, harmonizing and things like that. Um, Venom was a three piece. Uh, if you know what Venom sounds like, there's not a lot of melody happening. Um, uh, but like they're sort of like. At the same time, Venom are like single-handedly responsible for, you know, thrash and black metal probably wouldn't exist today if it wasn't for Venom. They inspired, I mean, they inspired Metallica and just as much as they inspired, you know, the the, the sort of the, the mayhems and emperors um, of the world. So they're they're like a they're a key band in this, um, and they were from the time and the place, even though like sonically they had almost nothing in common with the rest of these bands we're talking about i would venture to say even motorhead too and i think the only reason why venom and motorhead are both both included in this lit this roster of bands is because of proximity and time frame you know i mean yeah you know motorhead was just basically heavy fast chuck berry you know what I mean? Yeah, and and, and Kronos was Kronos was very much a, a Motorhead fan. Like the yeah. whole like three like three piece with a bass playing singer, which is what Kronos was. I mean that all, he, and and a, and a, a, ba, a you know a, a bass player playing like d distorted. You know he got all, that all came from Motorhead, and Van, Venom took that to like you know the the, the sort of <laughs> the logical extreme, I guess you could say. You know. Yeah, and both of those bands also. Um... You know, they appeal to punks too, mm -hmm. and uh, which was unusual back then because uh, you know, I mean, the late seventies. I wasn't, I wasn't aware of any of this stuff. You know, I was a kid. You know, what I mean, I was like a, a little boy at that time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But in the eighties, when I started really learning about this stuff, 
you know, retroactively, I discovered what, you know, the new wave of British heavy, what heavy metal was because Lars Ulrich would talk about how great these bands were and how they influenced Metallica. But that's when I started seeing, like, I would go and see shows and I would see punk rock style people. You would see the occasional dude, like a skinhead or something wearing a motorhead t-shirt, you know, and the same thing with Venom, like Venom was a little bit more peripheral, but like punks, like kids that were into like Gigi Allen and stuff like that, most likely were into like Motorhead and Venom too. Yeah, man, it's so crazy. I mean, obviously, I, w- I was like you know a, a little toddler at this point too. But but every almost every sort of resource that you can find for this stuff, like whether it's interviews, um, you know, books that have been written, uh, all up and down the line. Uh, and I've been reading a lot of old Motorhead interviews too. Um, uh, that's a big thing that's repeated over and over again, how like Motorhead was the band that the punks and the metalheads could agree on. And it was like one of the only ones that they, yeah. that they, that they could agree on, you know, um, which is which is a feat in and of itself. Um, I mean, now those kind of barriers don't exist nearly as as much. You know, it's a lot more fluid. Um, but, uh, you know, at that time, late, late 70s, early 80s, I mean, there was a. Uh, you were, you know, you you were either with us or you were with the terrorists, you know. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny. I Harley Flanagan from the Cro-Mags cites Motorhead yeah. and Venom as huge influences on his playing and approach to music. You know, in yeah. addition to like you know Mahavishnu Orchestra and all this like jazz stuff that that dude's into. But I I saw Motorhead and the Cro-Mags together at the Channel in Boston in I think it was 1987. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and that was the first time I, you know, I, you know, I, I've never, I'd never seen Motorhead before because I was only like, you know, like 18 years old at the time. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, one of the most terrifying experiences because of the crowd at that show, man. It was like just the gnarliest of gnarly, dangerous, oh yeah, criminal-esque people I can imagine, like, you know, and I'm just like this young kid, man. And, um, but it was great. It was awesome. It was like one of the great, I still goes down as one of the top five shows I've ever seen. Oh, I'm jealous, man. That's, that's so cool. I would have loved to have seen, uh, Motorhead and the Cro-Mags, uh, in the eighties. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like when I, I've spoken with Harley before too, and he's and and I, and so I know that he's like loves Motorhead and he loves Mahavishnu Orchestra. The only other person I've ever spoken with whose site will cite those two bands as, as an influence, which couldn't be farther apart, right? Like Motorhead and the Mahavishnu Orchestra. Um, Wino. Yeah. Wino. Wino is the guy. He'll like, he, he, he you know, he, um, he loves both those bands, which I, you know, it's such an interesting combination, you know? I just saw Wino at the Mayhem show in uh, New York City recently. And is he, uh, what, how, how, what, what kind of uh, condition was he in? you know the same the same he's like frozen in time i don't know how he does it i don't know how he does it yeah i don't know i don't know he's like one of these like he's like keith richards or something you know what i mean yeah yeah he has a phenomenal head of hair yeah (laughs) great hair great hair very white it's white now though you know what i mean it's yeah he's into that whole silver silver fox era of his life i guess you know it's working for him man it's working for him so venom and motorhead are probably the exceptions but most of these other bands i feel sonically they did exactly what you were saying like the the, the sound of new wave of british heavy metal is like harmonized guitars uh 
you know, more more intense tempos than like for the previous version of heavy metal. Yes. And um, you know, careening vocals, you know, very grandiose sort of vocal approaches, I think for the yeah. most part. And bands like Metallica and the early Slayer, that's where I really saw that influence like that's when it kind of it, it was like the reflection of those early records by both of those bands yeah made sort of defined retroactively my point of view of new wave of british heavy metal because you know it, it was already kind of over with by the time i was aware of it you know yeah exactly yeah me too yeah um but uh yeah i certainly appreciate you know more and more of these bands in retrospect um some other ones worth mentioning you know there's a really obscure welsh uh band uh they were called persian risk uh and they've got some they've got some good tunes the singles are kind of hard to find i think but they had a guitar player uh named phil campbell who as we know uh later joined motorhead so it's another example of these um you know these sort of bands these bands were pretty obscure even in their time and a lot of these guys from them went on to um, much greener pastures. Um, and then two of my favorite uh, uh, new wave of British heavy metal bands, um, Angel Witch, we've got to mention, of course. Um, uh, they put out a great self-titled record that was like 80 or 81. Um, and then I think they broke up in the 80s at some point. They put out a couple more records that kind of weren't amazing or something. And they broke up and they came back like in, what was it, 2011 or something? Yeah, I remember that re that sort of reunion thing they were doing. Yeah, and they put out a great record. Uh, and then another one like in 2019. And it's like really good. Uh, and it's I think it – so Kevin Hayborn is the, sing the singer and guitar player. And it's still him. And then they, they kind of have a um, – I think he has kind of a rotating cast of characters, you know, playing the other instruments. Um, I know Will Palmer um, at one point was a bass player. I'm not sure if he still is. Uh, and then the other one, Witchfinder General, um, which, you know, they were very much in the style of, of Black Sabbath, but um, the, the faster Sabbath, you know, um, the sabotage Sabbath, you could say, yeah. you know. Um, so, uh, and they, they put out two great records, um, uh, in the early eighties and then, um, and now they, 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 a lot of, a lot of times they get associated with the, you know, <clears throat> as, as the forebears of this doom, you know, what's called doom now, much as black Sabbath are, you know, sort of the godfathers of that, but, uh, which finder general, uh, they had a front man and his name was Zeb Parks, uh, that was not his real name as far as I know, but that was the name that he used on those records. I don't know what his real name was, but, um, he disappeared. Uh, <laughs> just, he just... disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. So he disappeared. Like no one seems to know who he is. And, and there's, I, I know people like Lee Dorian from rise above and like who, who, have, who you know, who has much more, um, many more contacts and, 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 and has, um, try to hunt him down, I believe, to a certain extent. Um, you know, uh, there seems to be not, there's some rumors that I don't really want to repeat um, uh, that, well, they involve prison, but I, how he got there, I wouldn't want to say. 
Um, but there's, I, I, but I don't even know if that's true. Maybe he just pulled a disappearing act. I don't know if he, I don't know where he is, but it's one of the sort of like unsolved mysteries of heavy metal. And that, that sort of falls under this umbrella of the new wave of British heavy metal that we're talking about. Um, was he maybe abducted by uh, aliens or something like that? And, uh, a girl, a girl can dream, you know, you know? Then, and then like some, he's just going to show up again. <laughs> like you never co- know. Covered in yeah. like ectoplasm somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which Final Gen were also notable because I believe both their albums had tits on the cover. Uh, like, like bare, bare, bare breasts? Bare-breasted women, yes. And they, they always had some scene of like these, like, uh, you know, witch finders, you know, these pilgrim-looking, uh, you know, guys with the buckled hats or whatever, um, chasing down these women, you know, they were going to, you know, burn them at the stake because they must be witches or whatever. And of course... Oops! The the they all the women they slipped and fell and you know things pop out and that was the that was the moment that was caught by the photographer of course and put on put on the cover of the album. Are you familiar with the uh, the film Witchfinder General starring yes, one one Vincent Price, late great Vincent Price? Uh, it's that is uh, such a great film and you know I have a funny I have a funny personal story about that. So. Uh, the, the Witchfinder General, so the, that movie, uh, so the, the, the band is named after that movie, yeah. the Vincent Price movie. And Vincent Price's character is based on a real historical character whose his name was Matthew Hopkins. And that was his thing. He was a witchfinder, right? Uh, so part of my family is from England, uh, and my, my mom's on my mom's side, and my mom's maiden name is Hopkins. Uh-oh. So... I, I hope that we're not related to that. <laughs> I hope we're not related to that asshole, but it's possible, you know? Yeah. And then that would make you a descendant of uh, a symbol of uh, the, the patriarchy, man. <laughs> I know. And not only that, and, th- and then on top of everything else, I had to go to Catholic school for 12 years, which makes it, you know, so much worse. So, you know, in Europe, it, that was the only place where they, that's where they burned witches was in Europe. In the, in the States, like in Massachusetts, it was the hang, hanging, which was the preferred execution method of... Uh, yeah, or pre- drowning. Drowning, yeah. Well, there was a whole thing about floating versus drowning and all this other right. stuff that happens. It's, uh, right. it's all grim, horrible stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think... What I wanted to mention for anyone out there who is kind of maybe less familiar with this stuff and is interested in exploring more, um, there's a great I, – I, now, I, I, maybe I shouldn't be recommending this because I, I know that physical copies are hard to find and I'm not sure if it's actually available digitally, the compilation itself. But all the songs on this compilation, you can find them digitally for sure. Um, but So there was a compilation that was curated by Lars Ulrich. And this guy, Jeff Barton, who was the editor of Sounds uh, in the 70s uh, and 80s in England. And Sounds magazine was a big champion of the new wave of British heavy metal. They were kind of responsible for, um, you know, spreading the word about this stuff uh, across the UK. So Jeff Barton, the Sounds editor, and Lars Ulrich, they put together this compilation uh, called New Wave of British Heavy Metal 79 Revisited. Uh, it came out in 1990. Metal Blade put it out, um, and it's got tracks by all the bands with pretty much all the bands we've mentioned here. Certainly Maiden, early Def Leppard stuff, Saxon, Diamond Head, Venom, um, Tigers of Pantang, Girls School, um, 
I believe Sweet Savage is on there, Blitzkrieg. Um, I know it's interesting. There's a there's a double vinyl that has all this stuff, and then there's a CD version that has five extra tracks. And I believe Witchfinder General is on the CD version, if I have that right. Um, but uh, that is a great, great, great compilation that kind of gives you an overview of this kind of stuff, like with the you know sort of the from the bigger bands, the Maidens, the Def Leppards, down to these real obscure bands. Like there's a great band uh, that has a song on that on that compilation called Gaskin, um, and there's a song the, the song is called I'm No Fool, and it's like it's such a great track, and it, they're you know they're one of these obscure bands that. Um, didn't do much. I think they put out maybe two albums and a couple singles, but, um, you know, they kind of, you yeah. know, languished in obscurity. Um, I imagine this compilation is on Spotify or Apple somewhere because, um, the neat, I know on, on Apple music, neat records yeah. put out like yeah. a bunch of these compilations and, uh, and if metal blade was involved, I'm sure they're, they're going to want to have this stuff at least digitally available, like on some streaming services. Well, you know, we can look it up. I think I, so I had, there's a story about this. Let's see if it's up there. Uh, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm typing into, Oh, look at, Oh no. Okay. So someone has a playlist up here on, on Spotify right now. They've recreated the album. Oh, great. It's called new original 79 revisited, but the album itself is not on there. Um, and so there's a weird thing that happened. So years and years and years ago, I was trying to track down this LP, this double LP compilation, because I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't find a used copy. I couldn't find a new copy, nothing. I got a, I, I contacted Metal Blade and they told me to, they had a warehouse in Arizona at this time. This is probably 15 years ago at this point, maybe 20 years ago. Um, they had a warehouse in Arizona. And they said, well, here's the guy, here's the guy at the warehouse. If we have any of this stuff, like dead stock sitting around, he would know. So I hit up this guy and he goes, yeah, he's like, here's the thing. He's like, we, we don't like let people know that we have this. We're not, there's some like <laughs> licensing issue. We're, we're not allowed to sell this anymore. But he's like, uh. If you, he was basically like said something. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. He said, he basically said, if you buy something else, I'll throw it in there for you. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that was like, all right, cool, like awesome. Um, and uh, and uh, uh, and then uh, yeah, so like that's why I managed to get it. But so theoretically, I mean, again, this is a long time ago. Um, I don't know what the story is. I don't know what the reason is why I don't want to, you know, I'm, 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 I'm saying it's a licensing thing, but that's just speculation. I don't know what the reason is why they, they're not selling this thing, but theoretically there is, there is a box or two of this stuff, maybe, maybe possibly sitting in a metal blade warehouse somewhere. I don't know. And they, for whatever reason, uh, they can't sell it. And I don't know what the answer is. That's a real um, bummer, man. Yeah, and this thing get, this thing's like going for money on like I, I looked it up shortly before we came on here um, just to because I wanted to I remember there was a difference between the LP and the CD. There's more tracks on the CD. Even the CD go like it's fifty bucks for like the CD thing. Um, so the vinyl is going for like you know eighty and up. Um, but it's probably it's it's probably better to get the CD if it has extra tracks on it. No. Yeah, it has. It does have. It does have the five extra songs, including the Witchfinder General song. Um, yeah, that's true. All right. So real quick, someone on Spotify has recreated this in a playlist. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. this is what we're gonna do. 
because you know Jay and I we compile a playlist, and it, we'll put a link to this playlist on the in the show notes for this. Yeah. So that you yeah. know you can listen to our playlist, and you can listen to this other guy's playlist of this recreation of this uh, compilation. Yeah, totally. He went a little. I can, I'm looking at the track listing now. He went a little. He went a little freestyle at the end here with like live versions and stuff, but maybe because you can't find the studio versions somewhere. Um, but most of it, I would say the bulk of this, the bulk of his thing up here is the exact compilation in order. Okay, um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now for, yeah. for anyone, anyone out there, um, who's listening to this and is not aware of where I put these playlists. Cause I've had, I've gotten some questions <laughs> over the last few months. Um, if you go to everythingwentblackmedia.com, that's the website. And each episode has an entry with show notes. And in there, embedded in the show notes for the specific episode is the uh, Spotify playlist. And also, I, um, I put them in the uh, Instagram stories too. Like I share the, the Spotify playlist on the Instagram stories. So if you guys are following either me, Michael Hill, or everything went black podcast. You'll you'll get a uh, in in the um, you know the, uh, you, the it'll be on spot it'll be on the Instagram stories. So so there you go. Yeah yeah, um, and we've got did you are so wait did you mention that we made that we made a playlist for this? Yes yeah. So we okay. we'll, there'll be two Im- embedded playlists in this episode okay. because we'll have ours, and then we'll have this uh, this other cat's uh, recreation of the compilation in this. Yeah, I, I our I would say our our playlist is quite good. I'm looking at it right yeah. now. No, ours uh, is great. You know, it's probably yeah. <laughs> it's at least I like it. You know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some choice cuts on there. Both both of the playlists have some choice cuts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because uh, you know that name gets thrown around quite a bit. You know, and I remember it's funny back when I was living in Brooklyn back back in um going back to like 2007 2008. There was this whole night that went on that I think the End Records was involved with called New Wave of Brooklyn Heavy Metal Bands. There you go. All right. Yeah. And that was like, that was around the time, like 2006, 7, 2008, where some bands have been, um, you know, they, they that influence is sort of finding its way back into contemporary bands, I think, you know? Yeah. You know, back then, people were discussing it more, I think, I think. You know, and you would talk to some dude at, at like out and he'd be like, oh, yeah, here's my new band. We're, we were like a new wave British heavy metal style band, you know. Yeah. But yeah. this night that went on, had, it really did not feature bands like that sounded like that, though. It was just like some <laughs> some clever like, you know, OK, these are bands that are new that don't have any records out or maybe their first album's out. We're just going to put them on a night at, uh, you know, at, at a bar and rock and roll, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little little bit of um, false advertising there. Yeah, so if you if you showed up, you know, wait, you know, wanting to hear some bands playing some Angel Witch style music, you weren't going to get it usually back then. So, um, there's you know what I should mention. There's now these there's a couple more compilations I should mention that came out more recently, uh, like 2017, 18. I want to say uh, there, and this stuff is even more obscure. Like you, you. Like I said, the 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 new wave of British heavy metal revisited the Metal Blade one. It's a good overview. Like it has some obscure ones. Uh, it has all the important ones and some of the better obscure ones. Um, there's these compilations that are called Job Center Rejects, um, 
and there's two volumes. Uh, there's a third volume that has Swedish bands, but th- the first two are New Ever British Heavy Metal. And these are like the real obs- – these are like real obscurities. These are like bands that um, put out one single, bands that bands that like recorded a demo but never got the single out, like really obscure shit. Um, but there's some really good stuff on there too. Um, and yeah, the compilation – someone – they, they came out um, in uh, – I think they were – both came out in Europe originally, 27, 2018. And I, uh, I know, I don't know if they still have them, but they were available domestically. Um, light in the attic was selling them on their website. And then I just got mine at Amoeba. Um, they had them when they came out when Amoeba was back in this other location there. Um, but they're really good. If you want to, if you're into this stuff and you want to do like a deep, deep dive and just like the stuff you've never heard, um, these job center rejects compilations are also excellent. And I think they're probably, um, I don't know for sure, but I imagine, um, they're streaming. Cause I, th- I think the way those were done, they're all like above board and licensed and all that stuff. So, cool. um, I think it should be up there. Yeah. Now let me ask you, is there a definitive book or documentary about this, uh, this scene? You know, there is a book that, is more like it's kind of an overview and a list sort of a thing. It's more like uh, like uh, it's called Smoke and Valves, um, and I believe it's a Martin Popoff book. Uh, who people will probably know that um, name. He's written so many um, uh, heavy metal books. I, mean, I don't know how he does it. He's I mean he's written dozens and dozens. Of metal and hard rock books but it's called smoke and valves uh which is of course that's the name of a holocaust song um which is you know where he gets the title so it's smoke and valves uh, a headbanger's guide to 900 new wave of british heavy metal records oh wow damn so that guy this if you're gonna look for a volume of of writing this sounds like the one to to check out then yeah yeah and it's not and it's more like and like i said it's like like he does a lot of books like this too where it's like um, sometimes he'll just pick a band or whatever and write a, you know, it'll be like their history and I'll interview people and stuff. And this is more like he, like capsule type reviews of every, and, and with, with some, some biographical information included in that, um, uh, of all these bands. So, uh, yeah, 900 new, just that. So there you go. That gives you an idea of how much of this stuff there was. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Now, now the New Wave of British Heavy Metal and the beginnings of UK punk kind of happened at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. The, one of the things, this this uh, style, this whole thing, kind of went unnoticed, especially by the press. There was some very, in my in my sort of observation, you know, looking back on it. Do you think that the the punk explosion of that time period kind of overshadowed? Uh, you know, coverage of these bands or anything like that? Well, in the States, I think that maybe is true because a lot of these bands never made it over here. Obviously, the, the, the bigger ones did, uh, but only when they got big. Right. Um, bands like Tigers of Pantang and Witchfinder General, I mean, I, as far as I know, they never made it to the States um, and certainly not even more the, the, the more obscure bands. Um, in the UK, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Sounds, Sounds Magazine was a, they were a, under Jeff Barton, who was editor there, they were a big champion of that, of this stuff. Um, they were, they were, they were kind of excited that there was this kind of metal coming back. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know enough about the history of Sounds to know if they were, uh, if these guys were sort of 
anti-punk. I don't, I don't know if that's true. Um, uh, uh, I'm sure there are people who sort of um, enjoyed all this stuff, but maybe did it in secret because, yeah. uh, you know, as we discussed earlier, you know, it wasn't really cool to, to like punk and metal, but I'm sure there were plenty of people who did, including, I would venture, guys who played in some of these bands um, because a lot of this stuff to me, this new every British heavy metal stuff wouldn't sound like it sounds if not for punk. Uh, like, and, I mean, the, 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 the number one, um, you know, Paul Diano is sort of like the number one suspect on, on that list, <laughs> I would say, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't get how you look and, and, and approach things like Paul Diano if you're not a punk fan, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. Um, but I was so, just curious, like, you know how in, in the UK, um, there's like a uh, the the way media handles music is is a little bit different. It's a little bit more um, like they grab onto trends differently yeah. than they do in the states. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and and um, yeah, sounds being a champion of heavy metal, but like in the bigger sense, like your average punter out there who is looking to buy records or read magazines. I feel like uh, maybe punk was making a little bit more of a splash in the early 80s and the late 70s than heavy metal. Because, yeah. like, if you think about it, punk is kind of like this response to, like, hard rock, you know, Yes, and bands like Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and this big arena rock kind of thing. You know, so it could be that that style of metal, you know, street-level metal wasn't really in, in fashion. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think also it would have... I think it would, I think they, I think they all, even though this timeline seemed really close, I think it wouldn't have been like, so if you think about it, that Sex Pistols record came out, what, 77 or yeah. something or 76. Mm -hmm. um, so by the time, like, for example, the first Maiden record came out in 80, the Sex Pistols were broken up. Yes. And, and, but I mean, there's a story, I, I hope I'm remembering this right, but I believe, so Maiden played Top of the Pops, which was like the, big like that was like the 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 weekly show in the uk where the top charting uh you know bands would perform you know um so by this time you know by the time that you know your average kid sitting at home watching top of the pops in their parents living room by the time they would have seen maiden on there in 80 or 81 or whatever they were on a lot of the punk stuff was kind of in the rear view even though it hadn't been that long like the sex pistols were done a lot of the big bands were kind of like fading out the post-punk thing had already kind of kicked in with like Susie and all that stuff um and i think i think this is right if i'm remembering the story right someone will complain if i got it wrong but i believe iron maiden was the first band to refuse to lip sync on top of the pops everyone else would go on there and lip sync their own songs they wouldn't be playing live they just blast the fucking record through the PA. They'd have a crowd, a live crowd there. Like it was a show. The band would be on stage, but they'd be playing the record through the PA and the, the band would just be mimicking. <laughs> Iron Maiden said, fuck that. We're not doing that. We're going to play. Uh, and I believe they were the first band to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Cause the thing, the thing that's really interesting though, is like, you know, we, we suspect that some of these guys that were in these new wave of British heavy metal bands were, you know, inspired a little bit, at least influenced or reacting to punk, maybe, maybe not influenced, maybe reacting to it. You know what I mean? Like they might've been aware of the aggression and speed of punk music and applied that to their 
execution of hard rock and heavy metal riffing. You know what I mean? I think that's true. I think that's absolutely true. And um, then, I, and then years yeah. later, Thrash. You know, I mean, they they were very clear about their influences coming from hardcore and punk. You know, all yeah. those bands like you know Slayer, you know Dead Kennedys. They have the Dead Kennedys sticker on the guitar and all that. Um, yeah. You know, new and then, in my estimation, Thrash is basically new wave of British heavy metal crossed with hardcore. Yeah, I mean, I think that's. Uh, I mean, that's that's not that doesn't sound crazy to me, and I and. You know, with with also, you know, and I think it's also part of the it's like the that's where Venom, I think, really comes into play with the new wave of British heavy metal, because when you hear a band like Slayer or even Metallica um, and yes, Metallica and Slayer were both, especially Metallica, huge fans of all this stuff, of course, um, they it was also the, the thing that came in with Thrash was the it's got to be it's got to be faster. It's got to be more extreme. Uh, and that all that that started with Venom for for my money. You know what I mean? Like that that idea um, of of you know extreme metal um, came from Venom. I could dig that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. at the time, like I remember hearing Venom for the first time, like back when I was a, a young kid, and and thinking that this is like the fastest thing I've ever heard. You know, yeah. as far as playing goes, like the tempos and the songs were super fast for what was happening back then, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and that and that kind of became, I mean, you know, when Thrash was in its heyday, that was that was the thing, right? I mean, that's why, um, you know, m m you know, you had bands like Metallica and Megadeth becoming these huge, like, commercial successes and obviously Slayer to a lesser degree. But Slayer was also very much about pushing the boundaries of extremity, too, Um and, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, so many people point to like Rain and Blood as like the pinnacle of that. And I think it's a great example. Um, but they also, you can hear the venom uh, in Slayer. Absolutely. And, and, and I think if you strip away a lot of the noise of venom, there's like a, there's like a pop band in there that wants to come out. Um, and, and I think Slayer were able to, they understood that because when you hear Rain and Blood, you know, the whole thing's like 28 minutes long. So you're talking about three minute songs less, which is like a pop length. You know, those songs are all like, yeah, they're extreme. And they're all about like fucking killing people and, and Satanism, Satan. yeah. and Dr. Mengele and shit. <laughs> but they're fucking catchy, memorable songs, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, that Slayer has, it, they're, in my opinion, Slayer were the better songwriters out of those original bands. You know what I mean? As far as like songwriting. I'm not saying, yeah. you know, and, and the riffs and just the, the way the transitions between the riffs, I think was brilliant. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a tie between them and Metallica for as far as like sheer songwriting ability, you know, yeah. like Megadeth is great, you know, but their songs aren't as memorable to me. Well, I mean, here's the thing, like I, the way I think of it is Megadeth is like sort of, you hear these Megadeth songs and they're great, but they're like they're all these movements, you know, especially that stuff. There's like, they have all these seven, like eight minute long songs, which that stuff is cool. It's awesome. And Metallica was like a little lesser degree of that, but neither Metallica or Megadeth really ever got to that point where Slayer got, where it's like, we're going to write a fucking three minute song or a two minute and 30 second song. Um, I mean, I don't think, I don't think Metallica or Megadeth has ever done that. No, 
No, they no, haven't. I, no, all their songs think, are long, really. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're I don't think they are I don't think they have the um the ability to trim. The, I mean, Metallica kind of got there a little bit with the Black album. They trimmed a lot of fat, certainly. Um, but even some of those songs are like four or five minutes. They never got to that two and a half minute, three minute level that Slayer hit, where it's like it's a fucking total banger, totally memorable, and you just want to hear it again. You know. I'll agree with that. I mean, when I first came out of, you know, in I, I was into punk and then I got into like thrash, you know what I mean? And Metallica was my favorite band originally. Yeah. But as time went on, I, I really just ended up becoming more of a Slayer fan, you know, for that reason, because it was like, I, the riffs were just stuck in my head, you know, like I, like everything, all the, the, transitions and the songwriting and all that sort of stuff to me just like it stuck in my head more you know and yeah. also i just i liked all the satanic like shit too you know yeah of course of course who doesn't like satan if you have to like satan man hell you know <laughs> there's a couple of bands in here that i'm not familiar with that you got on your list uh tokyo blade and quartz yeah tokyo blade quartz um yeah, those are like a little more. I guess those are both of those bands put out full lengths. I believe they were not like super obscure singles type bands, um, but again, they were very much of that movement. Like it's super catchy, memorable. Like a singer who's like actually singing. Um, you have a lot of good, you know, guitar. I, I can't remember if both those bands have two guitar players. I can't remember, but there is like some guitar interplay. Um, they very much of that movement and there's you know um there's some great uh, i believe i put a tokyo blade song on our playlist if people want to check it out let me let me just double check i think i seem to remember putting one on there yes night of the blade uh by tokyo blade which is a great track and i oh you know what i didn't put a court song on there i should have maybe i'll, I'll, I'll you add can add it. it for sure man this is yeah. not going to go up for a couple of weeks so you know you all right i'll add a court i'll add a court song so people can uh, yeah. can check it out but yeah they were like you know again some of this stuff, um, you know, um, Tokyo Blade and Quartz are like kind of like this sort of, I don't know, if if you've got, you know, Def Leppard and Maiden at the top tier that went, you know, global, and then your kind of next level is like your your Diamond Head um, and your Girl School and maybe Saxon, uh, and then you drop down one, then you've got like Tokyo and Quartz with the bands that were like, they put out records and like they did some stuff. And then, then you get down to these bands that were like on these job center reject compilations I talked about earlier that were like bands that put out one single and disappeared or bands like recorded a demo, like, or, or two song demo that never got pressed or whatever. Um, stuff like that then you're kind of really at the um you know sort of in, in the in the, the the cave of obscurity there um but a lot i mean a lot of stuff is great you know i mean like anything you know anyone who listens you're going to like some bands better than others but um some of the obscure stuff is um well worth your time there's a couple other bands here like i, I just want to note uh paul diano's post iron maiden career yeah included uh battle zone which has a couple, yeah. I put a battle zone track on the playlist too, which is actually yeah. pretty, they're obviously not nearly as sick as Iron Maiden, but still pretty, yeah. still pretty good. You know? Yeah. I do have a, I, I have a battle zone LP actually somewhere. 
I have a CD. I don't have the actual. I don't have any vinyl by then, though. Yeah. Um, uh, there's Deano, you know. Yep. Which yep. following the trend of uh, naming your band after you, after your last, using your last name, you know. Sure. Yeah, in Danzig, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, Van, Vandenberg, Van Halen. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I I read back when um, Quiet Riot was uh, gonna reform. You know, when they put out uh, Metal Health. Yeah. Originally, the band was going to be called Dubro. Yeah, they. I think they. They. I think Quiet Riot was the way to go. That was definitely the way to go, <laughs> especially yeah. like you know Kevin Dubro is not the most charismatic uh, you know guy up there on stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I have to agree. Yeah. I have to agree. Kind of a marginal voice too, really. Yeah, I. You know what? I know. Ne- you know. I think I. You know, I was like a child when, you know, um, the Quiet Riot stuff came out. And I also had no, I, I didn't know. I mean, I was a kid, so I didn't know that their biggest hits were were Slade songs, you know, like they're like, they're come too- on, feel the noise. And yeah. Yeah. And I think they did Mama, We're All Crazy Now. Yep. Um, uh, but Metal Health, Bang Your Head, that was an original that they did. Um, I didn't know anything about that. And I certainly didn't know their history with Randy Rhodes and all that stuff was a whole different story. Um, I just thought it was a cat, you know, uh, I just thought it was catchy, you know, um, catchy stuff. I didn't learn until much later, you know, I, oh man, I got to find this article and send it to you. I did an interview with the photographer who, and I believe he's also the guy. So, you know, you remember the, the cover of metal health, the guy in that, yeah, you know, the mask. <laughs> so yeah. I believe if I have, if I can remember the story, I believe the photographer is also the guy in the mask. Like he did a self portrait or something. Oh, wow. Uh, and I interviewed him about that, uh, uh, for revolver years and years ago when I was doing this series of articles about like the making of, of famous album covers. Um, uh, I got to find that and send it to you. But uh, it was pretty, it was pretty cool to get that, um, get that story about how that was done. Cause I, I, that, I mean, that album cover was like, it's still like striking, you know? Absolutely. I think I had, I had a t-shirt with that album cover on it when I was like 13 or whatever, I think. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's like, st- I mean, I remember thinking it was awesome when I was seven and I still think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, um, it's funny. Cause I did, I did know, Cause you know, the Ozzy stuff was out with Randy Rhodes on it. And I was like, you know, reading up and, you know, hit parader about everything. And, and I was like, Oh, you know, he was into Randy Rhodes was in this band quiet riot. And then I remember when that record came out, you know, I didn't know any better. I thought Randy Rhodes was going to be on it, you know? And that's probably what they, they were banking on people thinking that, Oh, some record that Randy made when he was in quiet riot, you know, maybe, because there were a couple of LPs that Randy Rhodes recorded with them that were only released in Japan, right? Yeah, and they they go for they go for um, money now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I have like rips of those records, like MP3s. They're they're not that good, really. Yeah. You know, even the guitar playing, he's no. not shredding like he did in Ozzy's band. You know, no, no. Um, but so yeah, I picked that up, and I the one thing I didn't remember is Kevin Dubrow's voice was not what I was hoping it would be. Yeah, you know, I mean. He's passed away, so I don't want to speak ill of him, but I, that's that's oh. all I have to say about it, you know. No, you know, speak, speaking of, I I, in, I unintentionally spoke ill of Kevin DeBro. This is the weirdest. This is one of the weirdest things that has ever happened in my career as a quote unquote journalist. Um, I used to have a column in Decibel Magazine called "Cry Now, Cry Later." Yes, and 
a lot of this stuff was like fantasy headaches, like stuff, stuff that I would just sort of make up. And, uh, so I wrote this story about like going to South America and, um, seeing some South American black metal bands and then like somehow running into Kevin Dubrow at this show and like doing cocaine with him in a, in a, in a men's room. Um, and then like, so I wrote that and, you know, there's like a lead time with magazine. So I wrote it. And so it didn't, the time between me writing it and turning it in and the magazine coming out was like two months. Right. Right. In those two months, Kevin Dubrow died. Oh man, dude. Of a heart attack from doing cocaine. Wow. And you know, the editor didn't step in and be like, Hey, look, you know, you gotta rework this a little bit. No, no, it was too, it was too late. Like it was, oh, it was, it was already like, in the presses. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was too late. It was way too late. There was nothing that could be done. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, Kevin right. Dubrow probably would have would have you know he would have approved. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, we'll never know. Yeah, <laughs> Deano had another band called Gog Magog, which is out, which was um part of it fell within that time period roughly, I guess, and uh, that is not on Spotify or any streaming service. You know what I have to say? I've not heard Gog Magog. Yep, it's uh. I don't even know what it sounds like because I've never heard it either. I just know about it. And um, I'm sure you can find the records out there somewhere, but I haven't been able to come across anything. There's no streaming. YouTube has some stuff, you know? Okay. But that's okay. that's about it, really. Maybe I'll post that, too, like on a Facebook page or something. Yeah. Um, there is another band that if you research New Wave or British Heavy Metal, this band comes up. And... I think you and I might have discussed these guys. Starfighters. Are you yeah, familiar with yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. They're also not on Spotify. They're not on Amazon Music or any of these places. Um, but the notable thing is it features the nephew of Stevie Young, the nephew of Angus and Malcolm Young of ACDC. Yeah. It's basically yeah. his band. And um, yeah. yeah. They have two full lengths. The one that I'm familiar with is called Starfighters, self-titled. Yep. And uh, the, the song to go to would be a song called Alley Cat Blues. And yeah. uh, I'm going to include that as the outro on this episode. Yeah, and uh, it, it's awesome. I remember I heard that song on the radio when I was a kid. And they, they there was, uh, I think it was I-95 or one of these radio stations hard rock radio stations and i was i remember it in the room that i grew up in when i was living with my parents i had like this little radio set up with a cassette deck that kind of thing and i was you know listening to music and this song came on and i was like man this song is is like pretty pretty awesome and then i waited for the dj to say who it was and he said it was starfighters alley cat blues so for decades I've been repping this band and I don't know anyone else who's ever really heard of these guys. Yeah, man. I mean, that's a, um, uh, uh, that's such a weird, um, cause I think, so I'm trying to think how that even happened because, uh, do you think he, did Stevie just, Stevie Young just grow up in the UK? Uh, well, wait, were the, were well, the, the young, I mean, I know they grew up in Australia, but they, were they born in the UK? I've yeah, they were, the, they were, um, Scots. They were Scottish. Right. Okay. Right. That's what yeah. I thought. Same thing okay. as Bon Scott too. Right. 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 Okay. So I, I imagine the Young family, maybe some of the Youngs stayed in the UK, and Malcolm and Angus, because they were, it was, his, they were the nephew. 
Yeah. You know, so they were like his uncles. They moved to Australia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that Starfighters is worth checking out for sure. Um, oh, so one I was one. I think I touched on it earlier and you mentioned it, but I just want to kind of recommend it again and and note a sort of weird um, thing about it. Uh, so uh, the band Holocaust that we talked about earlier, the new wave of British heavy metal band, um, they did that song "Smoke and Valves" that the book, the Martin Popoff's you know book guide, new wave of heavy, heavy metal guide is named after. Um, they also did the song "The Small Hours," uh, which Metallica covered on the Garage Days Revisited EP. Now, "The Small Hours." What's interesting about that song is it's only on like a live record. Uh, in fact, I think it's on. It's only on. And what's crazy is, I think it's only on. Say, so, so Holocaust put out their first full length was called "The Nightcomers." Uh, which is excellent. I highly recommend that um, to anyone uh, who is interested in this stuff. That whole record is pretty awesome. Uh, and I believe that band, Six Feet Under, Chris Barnes's post-Cannibal Corpse band, they covered a great Holocaust song called Death or Glory. The song that Metallica covered, Small Hours, is only on a release called Live from the Raw Loud and Live Tour. So it's only on a live thing and there's an EP and there's a VHS of this and the small hours, the small hours is only on the VHS. So that's, that shows you how deep Metallica were into this stuff. They recorded a song that was only on a live VHS, you know, that's how it goes though, man. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like a, a great song just transcends medium, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I can totally relate to, Watching that VH, I mean, you know, being, I relate to that attitude about things where it's like, no matter where you hear it, no matter what the physical medium you're using to, to hear this thing, if it's awesome, it just stays with you and you, you have to, you have to somehow express it. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and now, and now I should worth mentioning, just talking about the, the Holocaust were Scottish too, which I, which I didn't realize. So, um, uh, and oh, and here's a fun note: the band was located in Boston, Massachusetts, for some time. What? Really? Crazy. Wow. I'm look. I'm, I'm on Metal Archives right now, and I, and for anyone out there, I, I do find that to be a pretty reliable. Um, like, if you're looking up stuff about metal bands, I mean, or anything in general, don't use Wikipedia. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, you know, if you're looking something about metal bands, Metal Archives is great and it has very good reliable um information about you know release dates and interesting facts and all that stuff different formats of different records and it's a great resource out there yeah i use that a lot to find out about bands for sure you know for information yeah. lineups like things like that yeah totally yeah it's great it's great i mean it's something i use like pretty much every day i think in my in my work i it's uh, which is um so yeah, it's, I, I recommend it highly to anyone out there who was, uh, you know, you need to have all the useless information. We've got all of it. Now, as far as writing goes, what you got? You got anything cool coming out? Any 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 interesting stuff that you want to talk about? Uh, let's see. I there's a new decibel that's out right now. Our our friends Caven are on the cover, um, which uh, which makes me happy. Um, I did not write the Caven story though. Um, I did an interview with. Lord Ariman from Dark Funeral. I saw that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, um, 
that was pretty good. And I got one, I got one coming out. I don't know if I can say I have two more like, so I do, you know, like we were talking about earlier, the, you know, with print magazines, which decibel is a print magazine, you know, the, the time between me writing the article and the article coming out is usually a couple of months. So I have at every issue I do a Q and a, and the next two are done and they're cool. Um, but I guess, I, I guess maybe I can't say what they are. Um, be, be, you know, cause, uh, decibel hasn't said anything about it yet so i gotta keep my lips up. oh but i did okay so I, uh in revolver i have a big i did a uh, cover story on ghost that's, oh that's great yeah that i believe is i don't have my copy yet but i believe that's out and i know they announced it so i know i can i can run my mouth about that one i'm not uh letting any cats out of any bags but um yeah a lovely chat with um with papa you know and uh revolver is one of the few print magazines that's still out there Yep, Revolver and Decibel. Uh, Decibel comes out every month, and Revolver, I believe, is four times a year. I think. I think that's right. Qu- quarterly, I think. Or uh, yeah, is that right? I, think I don't it's know. Qu- I think it's quarterly, and it, and it's yeah. a nice, uh, you know, collectible style um, thing. Yeah, you know? like they do a lot. Like they're doing, they do a lot of stuff where it'll be like, you know, every, when the issue comes out, it'll be like four different covers. You know, right. Uh, Either it'll be like, you know, one band with like each member on the cover or they'll do, I don't know what they did this time, but I think like, I think Ghost is one cover and I think whatever the other articles are in there, I don't know what they are. I think there's, so there's, I think, you know, um, Papa on the cover of one and then depending which issue you get uh, in the mail, if you're a subscriber or something, you might get someone else on the, on the cover. Um, another story that's in the magazine. Who knows? I don't know. Or you collect them all. Some people do that. That's kind of cool. I mean, that it's kind of cool how some print magazines are doing that. I know Fangoria does that. Like they put out less less issues, but you the for example Fangoria is like a hundred pages now, and yeah. it's you know evergreen content. Like it's not newsy stuff. It's more about right deeper dives into different stuff associated with horror and stuff like that. You know, and I I kind of appreciate that more about just the onslaught of current current things coming out and you know, this new record and that new record and that kind of thing. Do, do you, do you have a subscription to Fangoria? Yes, I do. Would you recommend it? Is it good? I would recommend, <laughs> I would recommend Rue Morgue over Fangoria. Rue Morgue. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Rue Morgue right. is like, for me, the go-to and um, okay. my, my opinions align more with Rue Morgue's opinions, like when it comes to movies and whatnot. Okay. So yeah, that that's those two are are great though. I mean, I I have subscriptions to both because I you know I, I'm like a horror fanatic. So uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, yeah. Why are you thinking? Of, are you interested in that? Yeah. Well, you know, here, here's what happened. I I I recently signed up for Shutter. Oh yeah, um, man. Yep. Um, and uh, I you know I I it was crazy. So when Shutter first came out, I was I was in line with a buddy of mine at for to go see. Uh, Fabio Fritzi uh, performed nice. some of the music from his film. That was at the uh, uh, it was at the um, the Egyptian Theater, I think, in Hollywood. And Shutter, I had never heard of it. It was brand Shutter was brand new, and they were basically like they had like you know uh, street team people out there saying, "Hey man, like if you if you sign up for this new thing, Shutter will give you a month free, and uh, like we'll give you like a ticket so you can get a free beer inside for the movie." And I was like, "All right, fuck me and my my friend were like." course um so and so i got shutter right when it came out and, and they and they had some cool stuff but they didn't have a lot of stuff because they just started you know 
And so in my month, I kind of like saw everything I wanted to see. And I was like, all right, that's cool. I'm not going to like continue with it, though, because I've kind of seen everything I want to see. Now, obviously, that was years ago. And and Shutter's got so much better. Um, so I, re, I, I signed up for it like about a month ago. And uh, so I'm getting like checking out all the stuff, stuff I haven't seen in years and then other stuff that I've never seen before. And then all the new stuff they have. Um, and now they have originals and stuff. I'm sure you know all this. Um, uh, but so now I'm like, Oh fuck. I'm like, ba- I'm like back in that zone of like checking out horror movies, uh, regularly. So, um, you know, yeah, I, like I would, I would go to room org, man. Cause it's, okay. it's a little, little cheaper, you know? And, uh, and I feel like, um, their coverage is a little bit more honest and not to say that they're dishonest at Fangoria, but it's like, right. it's like not, you know how it goes with magazines where it's like, if you spend X amount of dollars on like advertising or something like sure. that, they might skew more towards you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like uh room morgue is, is a little bit more uh, on the up and up when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, and I'm not trying to like accuse anyone of anything, but that's just my my feelings about it. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, I, I um, yeah, I man, I'm gonna check it out. Maybe I, I you know, I, I do like I, I'm I'm definitely one of those people like, um, I like to have the magazine in my hand, you yeah, know, and read. Totally. I, just, I, I spend so much time on a stupid computer anyway. Um, that it's like when it's time to read a book or, um. Like someone gave me a Kindle as a gift years ago. I, I, I used it like once and I was like, I can't do this. I can't I can't do it. I, I need I just want like a regular book in my hand, you know? I'm I'm obviously I'm I mean a huge book fan. But I do have I have the Kindle app on my tablet and um I do use that for things. You know, there's certain like uh for example, uh you know, I'm really into like weird fiction. So the weird tales magazines, you know, like you can get them on the Kindle for like nothing. Almost. The old, old ones. Yeah, the old ones. Yep, they have they have wow. all these like collections, all the old stories, like all the old, you know, uh, Robert E. Howard, Clark Ashton Smith, all the stuff that was in Weird Tales, like would show up in these compendiums oh. and stuff that you never heard of. So you can you can buy those. There's also uh, you know magazines that there's this one called Dark, that's one dollar a month on Kindle, and it's all short stories and. You know, stuff that's just like, you know, dark fiction, dark fantasy, you know, cosmic horror, like stuff like that, you know. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Wow. I, I have the Bible on my Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. great. Yeah, no, I do. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm i not a Christian. I'm not, obviously not into, you know, religion. I mean, I, I like reading about religions and I find all that stuff interesting. So rather than have this gigantic tome like laying sure. around, I figured I'd just download it on my Kindle. So there it is. I just had, I, you know what? I think from like all the Catholic school, I just had so many, I just was like forced to ingest all that stuff. Uh, so I kind of like, even though I do admit some of those stories are pretty good, especially the old Testament ones. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I just kind of like, I just have like this sort of lingering resentment for all that stuff just cause it was like forced upon me. You know? Sure. No, that's understandable. <laughs> like I'm not recommending anyone read the Bible and I'm like, you know, but, <laughs> but it's like, you know, just something that's part of like the, you know, the, tapestry of literature that's out there you know and like yeah. i also have all this like hindu stuff on there and different things and you know but yeah i for things that you don't want to spend real money on because like the kindle stuff is super cheap usually yeah you know yeah. and you're like oh, i just i want to read this but i don't really care if i have it as a book you know and yeah for research yeah. purposes like that kind of stuff yeah 
Well, right on, man. Thanks a lot. That's this was cool. And um, yeah, just a reminder to you guys, uh, definitely check out the playlists. We're gonna we're gonna post the uh, that track collection that the other dude put together, and then yeah. Jay, Jay and I are gonna have uh, our playlist on here, which has got a lot of great stuff in it. And uh, and I'm gonna find some of that Gog Magog stuff and the Starfighters LP and post that on the Everything Went Black Facebook page when this uh, episode comes out on the YouTube YouTube videos because I think that's the only way you can find that stuff right now without paying for it, that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I, and I will get, I'm going to add, um, I'm going to dig up a, a, a quartz track and add it to our playlist because I realize now that I did not add one. So I will uh, correct that mistake, that oh, oversight. Yeah. And uh, to take us out of the episode, we're going to play uh, Alley Cat Blues by Starfighters. Take care, everybody. Thanks.